Hi, and welcome back to the... (laughs) (laughs) Save that one. Save, save. Restart. Take two. (laughs) Shut up and sit down. Great show lined up for you. That is Champ Bailey, one of the best in the business. To have a name like Champ kind of says it all. You are listening to the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Graham, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Duren. Pro tip, go listen outside. You're welcome. I got my car to my spokes and I'm waving to the folks who are uptown. Uptown, waving to the folks. Dude, sucking at something? First step toward being sort of good at something. Evan Price for the win. Right down the My name is Matt Legrand, and on this channel, we are always talking about biking, biking, and biking. Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I'm Jake Von Dergen. I'm here with Lance Epler. Lance Romance. I'm here. He's here. We just had a big toilet flush right before Lance said that. (laughs) He held it together pretty well. He held it together as as good as we could hope. Uh, (laughs) Potty humor. (laughs) To his right, Evan Price. Today, I drank in the car one of those, you know, the Herbamate little teas, the like canned teas that are supposed oh. to be slightly healthier for you. Right. Yeah, this is my, my movement away from Red Bulls. I've only drank one Red Bull in the last two weeks, actually. Really? Yeah, one Red Bull in the last two weeks, and I'm trying to stay with like mostly bubbly waters now. Dude, to, you got some bubbly water going. Yeah, it's caffeinated. Why lightly. the move away from Red Bull? You know, I think it's probably not good for me long term, and I'm trying to not burn a hole in my stomach. So I think, I think if I slowly start cycling off of it and only use it in small doses. What about all those world class athletes that are all sponsored by Red Bull? I'm worried about their stomachs when they're in their 40s. Okay. So I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm closing, I'm closing in on that age where I feel like I need to start thinking about those things. <laughs> right on. Matt Legrand is in Sun River, Oregon. He's in Sun River. Doing a little Beautiful vacation. Place. So we got no, no vacation with no Matt this week. No. But um, we're gonna we're gonna carry on. We're gonna be strong. We can right. do it without him. So. We can pretend like he's here. Yes. <laughs> cool. All right. Let's do some backpedaling. I did not race, so I don't get to really say much today. But the two gentlemen that are sitting here at the table with me, they did. Who would like to go first? You guys want Rochambeau for it? Uh, go, Lance. I'll go. All yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> so last minute, I did decide to go do. I did not do the uh, crit that was here in town. Um, I ended up going to Bend, Oregon, and did the mm-hmm. best of both race, yeah. which was a three-stage all-in-one. It's confusing. Um, it's an 88-mile race with 6,200 feet of climbing, but there was a gravel leg, a road leg, and a mountain bike leg. And so that sounds like a blast. It, it, it really it, does. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, you could choose to do the transition race where you transition from bike to bike to bike. Gotcha. Or you could do the single steed race okay. where you rode one bike for the entire thing. So 
Ooh, strategy-wise, that's kind of interesting. Well, you know, it's 55-mile road section with, like, 3,000 feet of climbing, so, like, the skinniest tires yeah. you could kind of get by on would help you the most. I did the okay. transition race Yeah. Uh, where I swapped. I started on my gravel bike and then transitioned. And your transitions were timed. There was a T1. There was a T2. <laughs> like a rack? A rack, too? Yeah, there was a rack. Probably to change shoes, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Did you do a flying dismount? Um, I did not because I was... There was nobody there when, oh, there when was, I rolled it was in. Not, yeah, it's yeah. Not, not worth saving yourself so, for four seconds. No, what's funny is is so I did the I did the gravel um, part. I actually went pretty fast in the gravel because that's yeah. probably one of my best. Whatever, I'm yeah. better at gravel. And I roll in tr- to transition to swap to my um, my road bike, and I go to pull my road bike off the rack, and I hit the rack funny, and it collapsed. <laughs> Knocked the entire thing over. Yeah. <laughs> The, and how the, many bikes were on there? There were like 20 bikes oh, on yeah. it. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. And then I just like, I just pulled my bike out and swapped my shoes and like took off. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was kind of fun. The, the gravel bike took me, it was, it was, um, it, it only took me like 53 minutes to do the gravel section. So not very long. Oh, nice. And, um, my plan, I, my, my nemesis that I have been uh, battling with, Court Johnson, uh-huh. uh, he was also there, but doing it as a team. So gotcha. he was doing the gravel and the mountain bike portion, and he had a woman teammate who was doing the road bike portion. Mm-hmm. And so he contacted me beforehand. He's like, hey, we, we need to ride together. We don't have to compete against each other. We can ride together. It will be great. Mm-hmm. And so the plan was for me and him to, to ride the gravel together and then have me catch up to his teammate. Um, yeah. Whatever. I did beat Court on the uh, gravel section. Suck it. Court. Good job. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but because they just had to like slap hands and I had to like transition, yeah. she beat me out of transition by like 30 seconds. Yeah. Which is no big deal. But I did not want to do a 55 or 52 mile road section alone. No. I wanted teammates no. or somebody somebody to, to and you could swap draft this right with. yes yeah okay and so it started with like a six mile downhill so of course i caught her in like physics two yeah. minutes yeah <laughs> i mean i'm like 180 right now and she's like not 180 yeah she's, not, she's like 120 yeah she was you know super strong cyclist but the 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 funnest part about the road we ended up i caught her and then we ended up catching two other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the one other woman we caught was actually Sarah Max. You guys may have heard me talk about Sarah Max before. Mm-hmm. Um, I have done a ton of gravel races with her. She is like in the, she's always competing for the pro women's podium. Yeah. And I always end up catching her somewhere in the middle of the race. And we like do a bunch of work together for the middle part. And then yeah. she like... Run, you know, rides off to and I, to go win. Yeah, she, she hasn't done a race in two years. She hasn't done anything yet this year. She's been very cautious. And the first race, she comes back and boom, I catch her like 15 miles into the yeah. So I'm like Sarah Max. She's like Lance. I cannot believe I haven't raced in two years, and here you are. Yeah. So it was awesome. We got to work together for a couple hours. So yeah, there were four of us that worked together. Uh, and, uh, I ended up coming into, um, the second transition zone. It ended with like a thousand foot climb where they all dropped me. Yeah. <laughs> I could not hang with them anymore. The exact opposite of the beginning descent. <laughs> it was also very warm and, uh, mm-hmm. we will get more into that later. 
Um, but uh, I came in and I transitioned to my mountain bike, and I, um, I, it was like a 22-mile mountain bike section, and I was ruined. Yeah. I was done at that point, and I had... It took me an hour and 51 minutes to do the 22 mile. Oh. Yeah, a long time. So had you started with the mountain bike section? How many total and miles it was that? nice and cool. How long would it have taken you to finish that? Uh, an hour 30. Hour and 30? Yeah. So, yeah, that's a... It, yeah. it would have been... Yeah, it was like 20 minutes. It was 20 minutes difference. Gotcha. Yeah, for how bad I was Was gone. that 100 miles total? 88. 88. Jeez. Oh, 88 miles total. That's a long day. And there was about a thousand feet climbing in the mountain bike section yeah. and I was cramping terribly even though I'd been downing yeah. all these fluids. Yeah. And so I, I really did not think I would win because the whole last hour I was basically just coasting my bike <laughs> and trying not pedal, to crash pedal, 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 it was, well it yeah. was it was all this technical you know downhill you know mountain bike stuff and so i'm just like taking corners and like just don't just just don't crash just don't spin out just and yeah trying not to cramp but i did end up winning the 50 plus division that's good that's good so it was crazy enough i only won by three minutes and and the the biggest difference was i out transitioned the guy <laughs> Guy was taking a little bit longer to maybe change, he, maybe do a change of clothes there. He cramped up in oh, T2. And hey, that's fair. So yeah. um, he took like three extra minutes to deal with his cramps, and, yeah. and I just like jumped on and took off. I didn't know that during the race because yeah. we were all, you know, chip timed. Yep. But um, it was pretty crazy. So that was my big race. I did the best of both. Well attended event. Um, the, the men's single speed race was won by dylan caldwell who is a wow yeah he's legit he's legit <laughs> second was max chance also legit they're both former teammates sure mm-hmm. um super uh dylan caldwell did it on a single steed one bike for the whole thing and he beat me by an hour on a single speed <laughs> on, a, on a single on a single bike yeah Single speed or single no, steed? single steed. Oh, I thought you said single that's speed. That's what I thought you said, too. I was like, it's wait confusing. a minute. What bike was he riding? Single, single like, steed. Like, so did he throw gravel tires they, on us? <laughs> that's what they called it. So he did the whole thing on one bike, and I transitioned to bikes. Did he gravel bike it? Yes. Yeah. Wow. I feel like you'd have to. You really can't like try and stick thick tires on a road bike and hope it could hold up on a mountain yeah. bike did course. Did you yeah. happen to catch a glance at what tires he was running, just out of curiosity? 33, maybe? No, I'd say uh, 34, no, 5 or 40s probably. I think he was on 40s because yeah. the the mountain bike section was not Oh, you needed you needed a little you more. You needed a little something for the mountain bike section. Yeah. Sure. Did you happen yeah. to catch a, a glance at the tire tread? Is it was like a file tread? It or? was mostly file tread was with it? some on with some knob on the side. Okay. Yeah. Didn't catch a sidewall. I, I didn't. I was kind of foggy after the uh. race, <laughs> so wasn't thinking wasn't real super clearly. Attentive. <laughs> right on. But the the women's single steed race or one bike race was won by Amity Rockwell. Oh wow! Unbound yeah. hero from a couple years ago. Yeah, she yeah, won Unbound two years ago. She just took second place <laughs> yep. at Unbound. Just uh, Dang, I had some big names two now. weeks ago. Yeah, so they both That's showed cool. up. Second place was Sarah Max, the gal that um, we were able to. Help each other mm-hmm. on the uh, on the road section. So yeah, and third was um, um, Dylan Caldwell's wife Nicole Nicole Caldwell. Okay, so she was third in this. So it was it was a crazy fun race. Then we yeah. had a bunch of teammates out there, and 
we all did uh, fairly well, and so Bend is Bend is burning lately. I'll tell you what, that race scene's heating up. It really is. There's like a, I mean, it, it seems like there's a lot of different types of racing going on in Bend at this moment. There is, yeah. They're having they have weekly crits. They have weekly yeah. hammer rides. Like the mallet rubber mallet or something like yep. that. Yep. Yeah, they, they um there's a no the time trials are down in Eugene. But uh, there's yeah. mountain bike races almost every weekend. Mm-hmm. So uh, soon there, there's a 24-hour mountain bike race coming up Ooh, down there. And then the High Cascades 100, which is a 100-mile mountain bike race. There's a lot of mountain biking. A lot of mountain biking. Cool. A lot of options around there. there. Yeah. Evan Price. Yeah. You, you raced. I raced, too. And it was not in Bend. I wish I'd been in Bend. Ben, <laughs> would have been, ben would have been beautiful. Iowa, Iowa, on the other hand, is very humid. And I forgot that thunderstorms are a thing out in the Midwest. And Oof. That's the other thing when I moved out here is I realized we don't get thunderstorms in the Pacific Northwest almost ever. I think I can count how many times we've had a legit thunderstorm, like seen lightning here. Lance we, and I we, were in, we were in one last week. Seriously? <laughs> last yes. Tuesday, yep. Last, oh, you're right, that, that, that was. And it's funny that you mentioned last Tuesday because I remember me and Melissa were talking. It was like, wow, that's the first thunderstorm I remember in a yeah. while. It's rare, though. Yeah, yeah. Rare. I mean, it probably happens, what, two, three times a year? Yeah. yeah. Like we were in the middle of a, of a gravel bike ride, and there was, what, Six or you guys seven actually saw us. lightning that day too. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was yeah. almost right over us. Like you know, you see the lightning That's and scary. you wait for yeah. the, the clap, and yep. it was like bang bang, and we're yeah. like, uh, time for shelter. Well, we count we count we the actually, seconds yeah. per mile away yeah. or something like that. Yeah. We actually pulled over. We pulled over in one mile away. Yeah, we just <laughs> it was we, less than that. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. we found shelter. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's good. It was torrential go, downpours. Go too, climb so. a tree or something like that, right? I'm joking. Nobody listened to that. No, but yeah, um, we. On Thursday, I worked and jumped on a plane out to I- uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, the S's are silent, as they have on all their signs, which I thought was interesting. They're really oh. passionate about how to pronounce <laughs> It Des says right on there. Des Moines. It says the, the S's are silent. The yeah. S's are silent. They had it in the airport next to, welcome to Iron Man 70.3, Des Moines, the S's are silent. It's like, all right, <laughs> got it. But... Uh, this was the site of where I believe the 2020 North American Championships was supposed to be. I could be getting that wrong. And the former High V Triathlon location. Uh, High V Triathlon was a big time triathlon back in the day. I think it was an Olympic distance at that time. Um, so Des Moines has definitely put on races before. But um, Midwest in June can get hot and humid. And it was very hot and humid. Um, there was a massive storm blowing in on race day. So. The night before, everybody puts their bikes out there, and they basically, I think before we even went to sleep, they already delayed the start. So they were planning on delaying the start because there was a big thunderstorm that was going to be blowing through. Thunderstorm blows Thunderstorm through. at 7 in the morning. This, it was like 3 or 4 a.m. actually is when it started. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, and it was blowing through strong. So uh, originally, at least from social media and following all that, which is how they were updating us, it seemed like the race wasn't even going to happen, to be honest. Um, a lot of people actually left, I think. They were going and getting their bikes and leaving. Like, forget it, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, me and Cassie decided I didn't come all this way to not race. Um, it's, you know, I'm at the big of a, end of a bigger training block for me. So, uh, mentally, I, I'm pretty fatigued going into this race. Physically, I feel fine, but um, this was not probably what I needed. I was I was pretty weak mentally with, with this. I was like looking for excuses, I think. And this was a very convenient excuse. Um, luckily, Cassie being awesome was, you know, saying, no, we're doing, we did not come all this way to not race. Yeah. So no matter what race happens, we're going to do it. I was almost hoping for a foot race at that point where they're just like, you know, no swim or bike. Let's just go ahead and line up and do a half marathon and be like, awesome. <laughs> perfect. That, perfect. That's, that's exactly what I need right now. But uh, 
they send us a message in the morning and it's, it's a pretty quick message where they're like, all right, we're doing the full swim. We're going to shorten the bike to 28 miles and half marathon. So they just chopped half the bike basically. Um, which doesn't exactly favor me, but still was at least a race. So oh. we all, everybody gets in their cars, we're rushing out there. The one road going in is like a traffic log jam. Yes. So we all jump out of our cars and like, we're all carrying our stuff and running in this pouring rain. <laughs> it's just, it's just absolute chaos to get to. I mean, cause we were only going to have uh, for the pro field. Once we got into transition, we really only had 10 minutes to set up transition that we needed to be at the swim start. So we, <laughs> it's still pouring rain and, um, I'm running towards transition and I run into Jason West, the guy who, spoiler alert, wins the race. Okay. And me and him are running in and Jason's like, dude, my flight is like today too. And I'm like, yeah, mine too. He's like, mine's at 3.30. Ours was at 5.30 and I thought ours was going to be a tight squeeze. Oh my gosh. I'm like, Jason, how are you going to make that? He's like, I have no idea, dude. I'm just going to get done, run back to my bike. I'm probably going to ride my bike back and then I got to take it apart (laughs) at the airport. Oh my gosh. Jason West is an absolute champ. Anybody who's ever met this guy, by the way, Jason West is one of my favorite people in triathlon. He's like the most approachable, ridiculously fast human being you'll ever meet. Like the guy is so, so fast, but is the easiest guy to talk to. Very nice and lives like a life outside of triathlon too, which is amazing. But we get into transition. We're all running around. Half the guys are forgetting stuff. Two guys I know forgot to put their socks in their shoes. So they're running an alpha right. flies without socks. There were guys with like bloody feet after the race. <laughs> it, it was a mess. But everybody's preparation just got oh, jacked. Yeah. Everybody. Somehow my preparation perfectly fine bike was ready to go all my stuff was there i was like i need to come late to transition from now on because that was the smoothest transition (laughs) setup i've ever had um and trying to get mentally ready for the race it's going to be non-wetsuit and it's going to be an 80 plus degree water that does not favor me so getting into the water uh to warm up and it's just i'm so in my head and it's it's you know i don't want to talk about this too much because everybody everybody races and everybody knows those feelings and there's no reason to ever think that that's a good excuse to go out there and not perform well but I was I was very in my head and uh swim started and I'll tell you what that was the fastest the groups ever swam away from me it was everybody was pretty jacked up and ready to go and the funny part is the group went away from me and then two guys came back to me that's how I knew the pace was too spicy right off the start yes a little too hot yeah so you know, I went through the swim, almost swam the same exact time I did in Galveston, which just isn't good enough. Um, it's not, it's, I, I am not a professional triathlon swimmer. I'm a guy who gets through the water and then has to bike and run at a pro level. And it's, it needs to not be that way next year for me to continue this, but, uh, lot, lot of work to do for sure. And we had this like half mile run up to transition, which I was actually happy for. I was just dead sprinting through to transition. I was in my head. I was like, less time in the water, the better. Right. But, um, got on the bike and just pushed as hard as I could. Uh, I actually had one of the better bikes. I, I had a mid mid pack bike. So I had the 33 or four guys who started mid-pack the race. Of the pro field. Yeah. So yes. I, I biked very well. Yeah. Um, which was, there was a lot of negative self-talk going on. It's not good when you know you're at the back of the field. Uh, which is getting old, but yeah, uh, biked my way back into what should have been good enough position to have a good day. Um, I have no idea what my power output was, but I know riding by myself, it was, it was well north of 300. So the, the, the power was there all day. The legs were there. Uh, the arrow position, the new arrow position I've tried to work myself into is going well. 
So, you know, get through transition, jump on the run, and just does not feel good to start. It was it was in the 90s by this point, and the humidity was like 70 or 80%, because anybody who's racing the Midwest enough knows that once a thunderstorm blows through and that heat picks up, it gets really, really humid yes. in these towns. Very humid. Um, and this is why, just shout out to Jason West for running sub 110, and that heat was insane. I mean, the guy's one of the fittest dudes in America right now, and he's... Yeah, a lot of guys were falling apart to slower run times than they're than they're capable of for sure. But it was awesome to see some guys like Tyson Weiland trucking through in his first seventy. It might have been his first. It was at least his first pro seventy three. He raced ITU, but running one fifteen in that heat. I mean, just guys. You know, there were some guys who really rose to that challenge, and there were guys who did not. And I was definitely one of those guys who did not, and um, came through the halfway point. Uh, the stomach really started to cramp. My legs felt fine, but my, my stomach was really, really, really starting to cramp and went into the portalette and it was bad and then came out. (laughs) Yeah, it was not good. It was not good. So it was a full evacuation. It was a full evacuation. Bowels not in a pretty way. No. And came out, (laughs) drank about an entire table's worth at one of the aid stations of water and was like, all right, let's try. And nope. Cassie was there at that point. It was, uh, took off the timing chip and turned it in for a DNF. So yeah. Dope. So do you, do you think it was the heat and humidity or do you think the heat and humidity led to the. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I think, I don't know why you I'm know, asking. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, c- cause I've, I've raced in tougher conditions before. Definitely. I mean, I, if I was to build a race environment that was not conducive to my skill set in triathlon, it would have been that race, but I, I do, I do not race well in humidity. Uh, I can do well, I can do okay in dry heat, but humidity, I do not race well in, but I, I know very few guys who would say like, Oh yeah, I love humidity. Right. Um, I lost that race mentally the days before I was kind of having just burnout, ta- you know, burnout type sensations. And just when you go into these, you know, I, I was talking with Josh after these races and these, the, these pro races, I know all, all of us here have competed at high levels, but this, you, when you're not one of those top guys in this pro race, you have to go in so locked in, you, you do not get to make a mistake. If you make a mistake, you're out the back and you're, you're done and you're going to get yeah. destroyed in right. these races. And it's, it, it's embarrassing. I mean, it's very, yeah. that was the most embarrassed I've ever felt after a race and probably the worst I've felt about myself after a race too. And that's, and this is not me, me sitting here trying to make anybody feel bad about, it. you know, this is, we're all very lucky to even be able to race this year. There are places and cities putting races on. Um, but I lost that race mentally. And as soon as I got off the bike and it started to feel hard on the run, I gave up. It was not my body or, oh, the fitness wasn't there. The training wasn't there. The training was there. Everything was there. It was I. I gave up. So, no. Yeah. In, in almost every like long endurance race, there always comes a mm-hmm. point where it becomes mental more than physical. Yep. It seems like where y- your your body is telling you, "Hey, I'm kind of done here." Yeah. But you know, as as an athlete, you can push through those those mm-hmm. feelings of doubt and and telling you to stop. To, yeah. to push through that any marathon I've done any long race it, oh, yeah. you always hit that but if you if yeah. you're not in they a good all enough physically headspace, hurt no matter yes. what yeah if you're not in a good enough yeah headspace to deal with that yeah forget it's it. over it's yeah. Like you yeah it's plug. over yeah it was you know it's it, it's funny I was thinking even in Galveston maybe the bottom uh, when, when I was racing a few weeks ago 
the the body probably hurt more than it actually did in in Des Moines. But mentally, I was so locked into that race that it it didn't feel bad at any point. Yeah. I, I enjoyed almost every second of that race. Yeah. It was it was fun. Um, this was not fun. It was not fun at any point. So, you know, what whatever oh, that means, it's just. Evan, I'm so sorry. It's, it's tough okay. to see. It's you okay. Go yeah. from where you were at. Just I, I know it's a completely yeah. different race, but at the um, the PDX triathlon, it's just Olympic. Yeah, I was you feeling were great. Yeah. Smiles. You were. You had a hop in your step. I mean, I took some pictures of you, and you had grins from ear to ear coming in from the yeah. run, and you just looked like you couldn't be having any more fun. And to hear yeah. you talk about this experience is like, man, that's a night and day difference. Oof. Yeah, it's a, and you know, I mean, this is I'm trying to actually be as me and Cassie were talking about. This, I'm trying to actually be honest about I. I feel like running a clinic in 2020 and trying to race pro, I've tried to put on this like kind of just false look sometimes. I think that like, hey, hey, train's going great, feeling awesome, clinic's going great. And like, I'm successful. Listen yeah, to I'm me. Yeah, I'm successful and this is good and yeah. this is going great. Um, it's not fun to get your butt kicked in these races. And it's, oh. I mean, it's, it's like, like I said again, it, I, as I want to preface this with knowing that I'm a very, very lucky person with the opportunities I get. But, when I've invested a lot of my self-worth into how I perform in these races, mm-hmm. that's a problem. That's a personal problem that yeah. I, I need to address and not well, just a reminder, Evan, you're going up yeah. against the fastest people, not uh-huh. in Portland, yeah. not in this region, in the country uh-huh. and, yeah. and some and they are from fast. around the world. <laughs> They're fast, but you're, yeah. if you're saying mid pack, you're still like in the upper, like half of a percent of the entire yeah. country. Yeah. And it's, you know, uh, I think, one of, one of the cool things I will say after the race is as I'm sitting there feeling bad for myself in the hotels, we're taking a sink shower, getting ready to rush off to the, the airport. Uh, Andy Kruger was over there. The guy who be, uh, the kid who beat me at PDX. Yeah. Very promising young triathlete. Very, very, very promising on a, on a national level. And I hope one day international, sure. I really hope Andy does, does continue to progress there. Um, I'm hoping to get the chance. He's actually going to be in Portland this July for a bit. So I'll be hoping to train him, uh, train with him a bit. And it's, you know, he's 21, he's a young kid, but after that race, he was, he was pretty shelled in the hotel. And I don't think that he'll, he'll mind me sharing this, but he was, he was joking. He's like, man, that, that run was hard. Like almost like tears hard. He's like, I felt the sensation I needed to cry during that race. And I was, and he was not the only one saying that it was, I mean, these, I think it's just, he, he's raced shorter distances and he's been good in those distances. The half iron distance in the pro field is really a race of attrition, like really is. And I can't speak to the foals. I am sure the foals are similar, but in the half iron distance is where a lot of pros race consistently. So you kind of get beat up for a few years. And I feel like there's some guys who continue and they're able to progress up the field. And then a lot of other guys that I know of that just never put it together and trying to work that is tough. You know, Andy's a very good swimmer. So I know for him, he has the exact opposite fears that I have all day. He knows in that swim, he's got to do really well. So he stay and he, he had a good swim. He, he's a very good swimmer, but then the rest of the day, he knows once he gets out of the water, he's going to be a good cyclist one day, but he's 21 and he's young. And he knows guys like me in the back of the pack who are stronger bikers are now moving towards him and he's falling back away from that lead group. And he's trying to go in the red to stay with them. So it's just it's it was tough watching how shelled he was after that race mentally too. Just how hard it's not an easy day getting dropped and dropped and dropped, and then knowing people are coming on to you. And he was even telling me when he saw me at the turnaround, he was like, "Dude, you looked great," which is hilarious because I absolutely <laughs> did not feel good in any way. But then he sees these guys running up, and he knows they're coming for him. So it's 
it's this really rough mental day. It's just not an easy mental day when you're not one of those guys who's capable of winning the race. Right. It's almost this battle of attrition to like, don't suck. Like, just don't <laughs> suck right now. Don't don't be the guy that's like falling out the back of this field. But yeah, um, I just need to rewire mentally, I think, is for whatever that means. But I still enjoy endurance sports, that's for sure. It's not... Well, you say endurance sports, though. The half Ironman, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's an yeah. endurance sport, but you guys are like full throttle through that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the that numbers that's that you're a, putting down and yeah. to, to keep that up, to keep that pace up and do that race after race yeah. after race, that's hard. It, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because I think the, the, the half iron has become the distance to that, like guys who race draft legal racing, which I have so much respect for these draft legal guys when they come out. But they'll jump into these half irons too, so it's becoming this faster and faster and faster pro field, uh-huh. and it it really has gotten to the point where I look at the effort I would put out for an Olympic distance, and it's not that much less over a half. Right, you're just doubling it, and it's just this hold on war of like, okay, right. how long can you hold the throttle until it completely falls apart? And um, you know, for for example, like Eric Lagerstrom, a guy who I know a lot of people listen to this will will know. Um, was having a great day until it kind of fell apart there towards the end of the run and he fell out the back of the top 10 and um for his level that's he was leading for a while yeah and 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 for for eric's level of of fitness that's almost similar to the kind of experience i had on on that same day where you're just like falling out the back and feeling bad there towards once the run gets going um you know he ran 120 or 119 i think which he's fully capable of running 111 112 so Just knowing, you know, as as that top guy feeling like you're dropping back and you can't hold on, it's you can't fake it at that half marathon distance. Once the wheels start to come off, it's bad, and you're. I mean, there's it's it's not fun getting past all day. It it is not. So, yeah, brutal. Yep, tough racing, but still hey, proud of you, bud. That's why we do it. No it is. If it was sunshine and rainbows every single race be pretty easy so that's well, i think a lot of people would do it then but this is a good learning moment for you i mean yeah. you're still kind of st- stuck in that like f- feeling a little bit down a little bit out yeah but it's gonna yeah. be too soon still yeah it's only, exactly yeah we're still 24 hours let some time yesterday let some time fine, pass and you'll, yeah. you'll learn some stuff about this and yeah there's gonna come a point in time too where you're gonna be able to impart this experience upon the younger generation and yeah. let them know that this is what you have to look forward to there young buck mm-hmm. you're gonna exactly. have these races and it's just not gonna be pretty exactly but. exactly i think it for, for, for me it was it's it's always a good like any race is an experience that's that's all you can boil it down to sure. it, it happens in one day and you can't control sometimes what happens but the, the the one part that i hope i do take from this was similar to when I went to St. George um, a couple years ago, I talk about this race all the time because I wasn't prepared training-wise going into that race. Yeah. Now, I was mentally locked in in that race enough to know that even when I was cramping, I'm like, I'm going to finish this race. I really hated DNFing this race, but I realized that this was the exact opposite of that, where physically going into the race, I was, I'm in the best fitness of my life. That's, yes. And that's an objective fact. Like When I look at workouts, it is, it's not even close, actually. It's as, as fit as I've ever been. And to have a day where mentally now I was not there and had to realize to myself, like, yeah, you're, you, you were weak mentally on that day, which is okay to admit. Like, I don't think that that's, it's not self-deprecation or beating yourself up. You just realize that physically I didn't lose the battle today. I lost it mentally. Yeah. And I think that's just as important to realize as, hey, maybe my training wasn't there, which years ago is what I had to admit to myself. So, yeah, that's, that's the lessons. 
Mm-hmm. And I'll be in much better mood probably in like 24 hours. Don't worry. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you need a little. You need a little time. You just need a. You need a, a little space. Bef- you know, need before a good, need a good your light, whole life is reconfigured. A light jog and a swim. <laughs> and that's yes. about yeah. <laughs> is this your first DNF? Um, this is so I was I was trying to think back. This was my first by choice DNF. Um, once in a local race, a Wednesday night series we had me and a buddy crashed real bad and the bikes weren't able to continue. So that was the other DNF and that was a sprint triathlon. So I'm not really a Wednesday night sprint triathlon DNF on a broken bike. I'm not going to consider it crashed into each other. Uh, so this is yeah, Carl. Carl <laughs> will, will always blame me for this. Uh, there was a massive pothole and I hit it and swerved and then he ran into my back wheel claims. He was not drafting me and claims I went off my line. Carl was drafting me and hit my back wheel, but <laughs> Carl Easter one of my best friends. Too. Absolutely awesome guy. But yeah, we, we argued about whose fault that was for years, but, <laughs> but no, this, uh, this was my first DNF I can think of outside of when I had to pull the plug on the Iron Man. me and Josh tried to do on our own. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A little different story with that one. That was more of a, do we really want to be walking on the side of a highway right now? But <laughs> yeah. right on. Yeah. My backpedal did not have any racing, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna backpedal today. It had plenty of good rides though. Lots, it lots it also had rides. you dropping your phone to the bottom of Round Lake, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happened. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I have had a, so I was thinking about this. I'm like, how many years? It's been like 24, 25 years of having a cell phone. Yeah. I have never lost a phone once to anything. Never been stolen. A never quarter, a quarter century. I broke. I broke. Streak. I did break one one screen. Yeah, idiot. That was one hundred percent my fault. And I did have the Apple Care. Got that taken care of. Yeah. But I've never lost a phone until yesterday. <laughs> Trying to be a, a good yeah. dad and doing some stand up paddleboarding with the family. And I had my phone in my pocket, which had this little Velcro strap on it. And I squatted down because we were going to sit uh, on the board. Velcro popped open. And it popped open. And it squirted Boom. out. And I saw it, it like rise. It splashed onto the water. And I like, tried to reach <laughs> for it. And like. Almost tipped the whole board over. I'm like, no, and I could just see it, like, kind of doing this little back and forth little thing. I'm like, bye, phone. <laughs> they should make them. Fl- well, I'm sure this is not as easy as it sounds. If they made cases that were like, fl- you know, fl- oh, I thought about yeah. that last night. That was my million dollar idea yeah. when I was laying in bed last night, like missing my phone. Just make a floatable case. <laughs> you yeah. don't realize how much you use a stinking cell phone for. It's oh, I, I can't. Imagine they need to change it because it's not a phone anymore. It's something else. I mean, because mm-hmm. it, it does like 47 different things for me right. on a daily basis. Right. And you just don't it's carrying think around about a supercomputer all day. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. That was that, but um, did have a bunch of good rides. We, the flogging ride was great. The it gravel was. ride that we talked about earlier was a blast. Lance and I rode our bikes in the Columbia River, in the river, into the river, because we were so slopping wet. <laughs> are the water are the water levels pretty low right now? Uh, no, they, no, low. Wait, okay. It was it wasn't as high as it was weeks before, where we couldn't even go down to the beach, but it was still kind of up a little bit. But yes. What that does is it, there's stretches of sand that yeah. are underwater that you can ride on. I think, so, I think I know the area you guys are probably talking yeah. about, too. Yeah. It's wonderful for your bottom bracket. but um. <laughs> Yeah. Is it is it like east of Frenchman's Bar by about a mile? No. no. This is down at Washougal Dyke. Oh, this is Washougal Dyke. Okay, yeah. gotcha. I think there's another Cotton spot you guys Wood could Beach. probably do this. Yeah. Yeah. We've done that We've over. We've done that, too. Yeah. yeah. We've ridden through the water there as if well. If that's low enough, yeah. Yeah. But that was a blast. Then the you Columbia was super over there, actually. Yeah. That was, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was just a, a fun We week. did the flogging ride, and we... Um, Jake and I ganged up on some people. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> it's it's fun just teaching people different race strategies. And they're, yeah. they think they got you figured out, and they try and do different things, and you're like, huh, okay, let's do it this this, this weekend. Yeah. yeah. It was fun. So. Yep. <laughs> How many – so where where was this local crit, by the way? It was on Swan Island in Portland. Oh, gotcha. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Very cool. We had a bunch of teammates uh, go down and so do I thought that. Ian Gibson well. was racing that. He did. He? Yeah. yeah. One of the old guys' division. 
He won uh, 60. Yeah, there's a. Th- nice. All all the Masters racers race together. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, okay. gotcha. How about we? How about we do a little lead out news here, Harold? Oh yeah, okay. yeah, we can throw that in there. Champ, <laughs> champ here. Guess what? There was a uh, there was a crit in Portland this, this last week. Champ, welcome to the studio, bud. <laughs> so this is called the the Red R Criterium in Swan Island. It was one of our first like bigger weekend races in the Portland area as far as road racing goes. Uh-huh. So a lot of people showed up. Um, yes. Um, the Masters field all raced together. So everybody 35 and older all were in the same field. Mm-hmm. But they scored the 35 to 49-year-olds and the 50-year-olds and the 60-year-olds separately. Nice. Yeah. How nice. big of a field did that end up being? It that, was like 100 or something like that. So they had 100 people out there at the same time? The crit, yeah. Maybe it wasn't quite that many, but it was a mm. lot. That's a lot. Uh, there, were, there were 50 in the 35-year. Nope, that's the wrong field. See, I'm just gonna keep screwing it up, so I'm just gonna shut up. There was, <laughs> there was a lot. There was a lot. <laughs> um, the 35 year field wield was won by uh, Dan Litwara. Mm. Um, I think he had some teammates lead him out. I'm not exactly sure because yeah. he had some big hitters on his team that were directly behind him. Yeah, I, I'm gonna make up. Um, Thing, so I'm not going to talk about it because I don't exactly know what happened. <laughs> uh, we just make up a story. Now. I can yeah, make up a story. <laughs> the 50 field was won by Greg Steele, and the 60s field was won by our own Ian Gibson. Good Congratulations, Ian. Congratulations. It's the youngest 60 year old I know. The um, the story of the race, though, was the uh, the Cat Three winner was a non-binary athlete um, oh. named Summer Newlands. Very cool. And they've kind of come onto the scene lately. Um, Racing for Timo? I think it is Timo. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Morgan, yep. Yeah. So they won the um, the Cat 3. Cat 3 Open. And then yeah. um, also raced the Senior Open field. How old are they? 20? Yeah, the early... Senior. They, they look open. like they're early 20s, if I'm not mistaken. Senior just, would be just like the open field. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. That's, yeah, okay, that's yeah. the open... Like, Non-junior. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. One, two field. Gotcha. Yeah. Like the P1, two field. First, I thought that you were going to tell me that they're like 52. I was like, no. wow, impressive. <laughs> but won the Category 3 and then came back and also won the Senior Open field. Where are they from? They're from... Summer, you were saying? It, their name is Summer. I'm going to screw okay. up the pronoun, so I apologize already, but... We're doing our best. Yeah, um... I let's see. Portland area, aren't they? Um, this says he is from Portland and twenty three years old. Twenty three. Okay. Race yeah. age twenty three. Yep. Race age twenty three. Yeah. Wow. So pretty amazing that won both those races and That's raced the fixed gear crit. There was a fixed gear crit as oh, I well. I love that they're doing fixed gear crit. <laughs> That's such an East Coast thing. I love that. Yeah. They've always done that. Yeah. So. They, they raced they that as well and took seventh in the fixed gear crit. They need to make that a thing out here for any crit. Fixed gears. Those are so. Those are fun races to watch. Usually is. Yeah. yeah. It usually is. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of teammates showed up. A lot of a lot of people raced. It was. I think it was well attended. So cool. That's good. That's good. Actually, we've been talking about hopefully a you know crit culture will come out here a little bit. That'd right. be awesome if that could start a series one day. On national news, we had our national champions championships, yes. USA championships. This I had a past friend of mine racing that, by the way. Really, Colin Fitzgerald. Yeah, he made it seven laps and then got lapped out, but he was pumped. Yeah. So there not only was there a crit, there was a road race, there was a time trial. Yeah. So um time trial was won by was it Chad? 
Aga? No. No. I think it was. It wasn't Lawson, was it? I think it was Lawson. Was it Lawson? Oh, I'm going to be. I'm sorry, Lawson. That's really bad. Not that he's listening to I this. I actually don't have those results pulled up, but this is all coming up. Oh, uh, okay. Head. Go ahead. Because I need was to Was it an right Omnium now. too, or is it just individual no. events? No. No. Individual events. Time trial, road race, crit. How many people like stacked up and did multiples? Quite a few? Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Lawson. Um, Cret, what is his name? Lawson Craddock. Lawson Yeah, thank yeah. you. EF Foundation, yeah. I think he yeah. won the time trial and took like fourth in the in the road race. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Uh, he made a move at the end. I know that was pretty impressive. But yeah. then I think somebody from Rally dragged him back Correct. in. Yeah. Yeah, a guy came over the top of him. They were, yeah. it was like seven guys in the final, in the lead in the road race. And uh, they kept like attack. They're all like buddies. They all know each other really well. So they yeah. kept attacking each other and... And one guy ended up getting away, and I'm. And these guys, I mean, you know, the, from rally. the guys at the front of those races are, you know, Grand Tour guys, so they race each other all year, and they've got bigger fish to fry here coming up soon. So they're like, I mean, and fit. They're, I'm sure, racing in that field. Yes. You know the World Tour guys around you, and you're like, all right, everybody, just watch them until they go, and then hope you can hang on. <laughs> Will Lawson be racing for EF at the Tour de France this weekend? Yes. You oh, know, geez. Kent Ross was racing there too. Yes. Local Kent Ross. Really? Yeah. yeah. He made it. So I saw his Strava said he made it 92 miles. I think the race was 115, which means he probably made it all the way to getting lapped out the last lap. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Which probably. is impressive from Kent. Cause that's, I mean, that's, you know, that's the, yeah. the bee's knees is that race. So pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the crit, um, was won by kind of somebody that they weren't expecting, Alex Lamperty. Because I saw his name, I did not recognize the name. Um, uh, Legion. Um, this is like the first race. There's they been haven't some won. social media drama around Legion lately, which I personally love. I love whenever there's this banter coming against and Legion against bantering others. I was yeah. like, I like this kind of. It makes it it's attention. Yeah, it's yeah. It makes sport. it makes it makes crits more exciting when there's yeah. some trash talking going on. So uh, Legion did have their lead out train going for the crit, mm-hmm. um, but they're missing Justin Williams. He the, was racing abroad, wasn't he? He he. Him and his brother, they were all they're all born in Belize. That's why I thought he has dual citizenship. Yeah, yeah. And so he went to Belize, got clearance to race for the national championship in Belize and won it. So he was yeah. in Belize racing their national road championship. That's where Justin Williams was. But gotcha. Corey Williams, Tyler Williams, um, all the other Legion guys were all at the at the crit. So Justin national championship. went and raced in Belize by himself. I think so. Oh, good for him. Well, yeah. okay. But uh last lap, um mm-hmm. Legion had their train going but um there were two other teams that kind of swarmed them and yeah. three corners to go somebody crashed right yeah yeah that's what I thought. um cory williams went down yeah uh he went down pretty hard wasn't moving very well i don't Ooh. think he was really injured but he went down pretty hard bad. yeah and uh, he also took down travis mccabe who yeah, was the f- defending champion and who mm-hmm. just did unbound gravel <laughs> yeah he was a defending champion, so he went down too, and so this other guy kind of came around and ended up winning. Oh, look what I found! Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yep, yeah. They, uh, so it's one way to be a national champ. Just wait for the faster guys to crash. And they pretty crazy, so that that'll happen. So that's kind of the stories I found from. Yeah, there was the uh, track and field trials also were this oh, last yeah. weekend, which was fun. That was fun. A couple just short highlights. Allison Felix just made her fifth Olympics. I know that we don't talk about like short distance stuff here, but like is the 400 she's doing the one and the two. And I think the one is where she qualified 
Um, fifth Olympics. Fifth Olympics. Holy fifth. Cow. She is yeah. 35. I think she made her first Olympics when she must have been like 18. Fifth. Well, if this is 17. A, well, that's, you know, every, every four years every times four five years. is 20 years. So if she's 35, that's 15. Yeah, 15, but I 16, think it's somewhere there. Yeah, I think I think she would have had to be. Uh, yeah, it would it would have been right around that age. Unless she's older than thirty five. No, I think I think they said she's thirty five or thirty five, going on thirty six. Gotcha. Just had her first kid too before this one. It was it was a just a tearjerker story if you want to see That's that. Awesome. And she had to come. Oh no, wait, I think I'm wrong. Was it? It was in the four hundred. My bad, not the hundred. It was in the four hundred. The four hundred. It was it was the four hundred. Yes, and she had to have a comeback in the last hundred. She was like in fifth place coming in the last hundred and had to like kick it down the finish, which was awesome. Local uh, Portland runner, former University of Portland runner, and Cassie used to know him as well. Woody Kincaid is our 10K Olympian. Oh, cool. Closed the 10K in a 53-second 400, which is absurdly fast. For reference, Mo Farah, when he won the 10K gold, closed in a slightly slower time. He was like 53.8, and Kincaid closed in 53 low. No, um... Grant Fisher was second, and cool story, Joe Klecker... Who anybody who follows running enough, lo- Joe Klecker's University of Colorado guy, uh, rocks the mustache when he races, very Prefontaine-esque type runner, uh, just a grinder, not the not the prettiest runner of all time, but just a gr- just an absolutely awesome guy. Works his butt off. Was third in the ten k and will be an Olympian, which is amazing. That's cool. Yep. Um, and what else? Emma Coburn is dominating the steeplechase. Yeah. Emma Emma Coburn, I really hope wins gold in the steeple. She's she's amazing. Um, and yeah, outside of that, there was a big doping story with no, Shelby. No, 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 no. Sh- just eat lots of pork breeders. I know. Don't you go faster. I know. This is Shelby. This was basically a band that's probably going to end her career because she's towards. She's not young, so I mean. Yeah. She tested positive for, a spe- I'm going to get the steroid wrong, so I won't even say a specific type of steroid that is found in pork. And Nandrolone? She's claiming. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, uh, she's claiming very similar to, if anybody remembers, I'll bring this back to cycling, Alberto Contador's said he had steak, positive test where he said he testosterone had, from where he steak. said he had a specific type of, yeah, where, where he was <laughs> claiming somebody was trying to get him to test positive, I guess. I really like Shelby, so I so hope that she is telling the truth. But we have heard this story a lot. I've heard it a lot. Well, her results have been really strong in a year where testing was minimal. And I would love to say I hope that that's just her hard work and this is just bad timing. Yeah. But she also took a lie detector test yep. and passed it. Not that I think, I mean, those obviously, you can be, you know, anybody can pass a lie detector test if they want to, but she also passed a hair sample test. Yeah. There's ways that they can test for how long this was in your body. And it was just a short little spike, a little blip, which would be completely in line with what she's saying. Which what she's saying. Now, one of my buddies was saying, he's like, also, he's like, you could say that she had just started her steroid cycle and hadn't, you know, been on it long enough and just a really inopportune test nicked her. So that, that, that is possible because I'm always trying to see it from both sides there because my gut just says like, oh, no, Shelby would never do that. But I know every Contador fan was probably like, of course, Contador ate some bad steak and they probably tried to poison him. It's like, no, Alberto Contador was on some good stuff. But By show of hands, who's eating uh, pork burritos now <laughs> on a regular basis? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I, had a pork burrito I, in years. I, I haven't oh. gotten tested once, so I'm going to start eating pork burritos <laughs> on a weekly basis. Our vegan friend over here is going to be slower than everybody. I know, yeah. <laughs> but yes, that Dang was... Um, that was kind of a big, that's a big deal. Cause I think Shelby was really good. I mean, Shelby was one of the fastest in the world over the what 5k and 1500 probably depending on whatever she wanted to race. But yeah, you get, it's tough. 
one of two choices, Evan. Mm-hmm. Guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. Not guilty. That's that's what my gut says. Is not is not guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Lance, what are you saying? Guilty because you think uh, so? every, we've heard the story. We have heard the story a lot. We have heard the story a lot. I yep. think I think given the 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 information that she's brought to light and yeah. the the fact that you know what she's saying carries some validity the and the testing that they've, sense. they've yeah. said and she's passed all these other little supplemental tests. I'm going to go out and say that she's not, not guilty. guilty. And I think yeah. that they need to look into this a little bit more as opposed to just upholding this four-year ban because yeah. that sucks. It's, I mean, it's a blanket ban and that kind yeah. of sucks. It does. They yeah. Need, they need to make sure that what they're doing is not this yeah. just shotgun I like, approach. I like that they're clearly the testing is intense here in the yeah. U.S., which yeah. I like, but I agree with you is the problem with intense testing is that if you oversight, you can ruin somebody's career yeah. and life. I mean, yeah. really ruin her life. Yeah. This I, is this is her livelihood. So, exactly. Yeah. She's probably losing sponsors. She's probably oh, absolutely. got a lot of just like, dropped PR yeah. stuff, and like all yep. of a sudden she's a nobody. not making money for four years. That's yeah. tough. And you, you know, there's speaking of in and also short distance racing. Um, you look at a guy like Justin Gatlin, mm-hmm. who everybody forgets. Don't get me wrong. I like Justin Gatlin. I I like the intensity that man brought to sprinting. I like the person I think he was outside of this episode of his life. Hundred meter runner from the U.S. Yes, hundred meter runner from the U.S. Gold medalist in I forget what year. Um, but whatever, a uh, five-time medalist though, yeah. was known as the guy who always got beat by Usain basically. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, tested, I forget what cycle he tested positive in, but he was banned for a couple years and came back and he you served know, his ban. He and served his ban and came back. Yeah. He was at the trials too this year going for, he has gray hair, which is awesome. You know, you know, if there's a sprinter <laughs> with gray and hair. the guy's got gray hair. He, what? I think somebody was saying he was like close to twice the age of one of the guys in the race. <laughs> Wow. Oh, no, wait, no, wait, he's over. There was an Oregon sprinter that made the finals, and I think they were saying that he's exactly double his age, I oh think. Oh, my gosh. Which is just funny. But he, so Gatlin in the semis or quarter, I forget, in one of his heats, ran very well, qualifies for the finals, but in that race really pulled his hamstring bad and was, like, willing to not race. Oh, yeah. And goes, well, no, what was I considering not racing, but went out there and raced the finals anyway and, like, had to pull up at one point. But I like this emotional, like, finish where, like, his, you know, sprinting career's done. Yes. And we forget how long this guy's been sprinting. This guy's been at the top end for, like, 20 years of sprinting, like, a long time now. So, and I think That's it's that crazy. sport. Staying at the top in the 100 meter dash, like, the guy who won is Trayvon Bromwell, I think. He's like 26, 27, yeah. and people are calling it like his comeback later in his career. He's like 27, I think. <laughs> He's not and people are like, I think, I think he had like an injury a little bit ago. People are like, man, you know, is his career done? He's <laughs> getting in his late 20s. He's almost washed up. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. But yeah, it was, um, it was, it was cool to see Justin Gatlin also have his last kind of swan song. It was almost more fitting that a guy who was at that level, instead of like winning his final qualifying for another Olympics like Allison Felix, you got to see Allison Felix you know, get to another Olympics as her right. end. It was kind of cool to see Justin Gallon have to pass the torch off to a bunch of younger guys yeah. by like limping through his last hundred, running a time that like maybe a semi-normal human being could run. Right. Justin amazing. Gatlin and me could do a hundred meter race with him with a 75% torn hamstring. I'd still put my money on him, but there's, it would, it'd be closer at least. Nice. Cool. Anything else? Yes. There's one more story that's worth talking about. Bring it. Um, Lauren Stevens. Um, for, this is, this was at the U S national championships on the road. Uh, kind of a crazy story. She mm-hmm. just did unbound gravel, um, and was hoping to make the Olympic team for the road race for the U.S. Yeah. She gets the call like three days ago saying, sorry, you haven't been selected for the Olympic team. 
So she did not make it on the Olympic team, went to the U.S. National Championships, won the road race. Really? Beat everybody else, including the Olympians that who is, were That bit. is sweet poetic yeah, justice. That's a big, that giant is, middle finger. That is very sweet poetic uh, justice. <laughs> crazy enough, she's on the same team as Clara Hansinger really? uh-huh. for the road, and Clara helped her like all the way to the final 10K. The, like, the final 10K, Clara pulled off and said, I've done my job, and wow. Lauren won in a breakaway that she did in the last 10k so. that's awesome that is awesome i thought it was kind of a cool story too that is also did we talk about this last week that i'm already wrong about chris Froome not being in the tour de france he has been so picked. number so number one thing i've first been wrong on before the tour de france even starts i'm already wrong <laughs> <laughs> and also the big news this morning oh god what am i already wrong on again <laughs> um, richie part's not racing in the tour no what is it sam bennett out Mark Cavendish in. Oh, I did. I did see that Cavendish yeah. in. Yeah. So Cavendish is doing the tour, and he is going to be the protected sprinter on um, a quick step. Quick step. Yep. Yep. That's a bummer. Quick step. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Bennett's out. Over under on one stage win. I'll take. <laughs> I'll take the under. I don't know. About that. <laughs> so Evan, can we get that set up again to do the pool for the uh, the Tour de France like we did last year? Yeah. That was a blast, and I think we yeah. put that out there on Facebook for other people that yeah, listen to the podcast. Yeah. Can we do that? Oh yeah. All right. If yeah, you need help, sure. let me know because I know you got a pretty jacked schedule this week. We got what a week. It, it's it the starts Saturday. this Saturday. Yeah. yeah. It starts this Saturday. Yeah. 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 We can we can put up a pool. We can just have. What should we do? Well, we we did a fantasy. Yeah. Last time, did yeah. we? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was on, was it NBC Sports? Oh, no, it was actually Tour de France's website, wasn't it? I don't know what we'll the thing it. is. We can find all that information, but we can post yeah. that up on the uh, the Facebook yeah, absolutely. page for Dial Podcast. And if you mm-hmm. want to join that, come on in, have fun, and do it. We'll uh, we'll put our picks in there that we, yeah, we put on last the week. Official. Yeah, I think, I think it was actually on the Tour de France website here. I'll send you the link so okay. we actually have that. Cool. Yeah. That'll be fun. Anything else, champ? Champ out. Sweet. Hey, let's do a Patreon. Oh, we got, Patreon, we got Patreon music. Oh, no. Fun stuff. You switch it up here a little bit, right? All right, so we're going to do another drawing. You can, uh, if you win, there's only a few names left in here before we throw everybody's name back into the hat. Um, you get to pull something out of the little grab box over there of goodies. And the winner this week is Chris Weirman. Chris Weirman. Chris Weirman. Chris Weirman or Chris Weirman? Chris Weirman. Which one is it? <laughs> Chris Chris. Weirman. <laughs> Nailed it. Chris will tell you to this I, day that everybody kind of calls him the wrong one all the time and he just rolls with it because he's such a nice guy. Right. That sounds like but Chris. But what's funny is he's always, cor- pre- uh, he's always correcting us when we say uh, woot instead of wout. Yes. So he definitely has an opinion. Chris, let us know. We've known you for God four or five years now. Weirman or Weirman? <laughs> Hopefully he's getting a chuckle out of that. But anyway, if you're interested in becoming a patron, go to dialpodcast.com. Click on the Patreon link there and go pick a patron that works best for you. We appreciate all of the support of everybody. Um, and once we finish everybody's name in this hat, I think we need to uh, kind of do a few more other little things. So stay tuned for some other fun stuff coming up for all of our patrons. We want to make sure to say thank you and show support and all that fun stuff. Cool. All right. Cool. That's it. Cool. Let's talk about some stuff and things today on the podcast. Our top <laughs> what are we talking about? Our topic is going to be racing and training in the heat. That's timely. That is timely. Jeez, I wonder who came Very. up with that. <laughs> I guess the two guys who had to do it this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. There's preparation. There's like the heat exhaustion element that you need to be mindful of. There's mm-hmm. the mental aspect. And then there's just you know so many ways of having to put all that together so that you can 
find success as opposed to the alternative. Me. Yeah. So thanks for that text, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> um, let, let's talk about like your guys' just sensations of what you dealt with a little bit more of, over this past weekend and what you would have done differently to help you get prepared for that. And it, it's kind of yeah. hard because we live in an area where we don't get to really go out and participate in that. No, it's much. pretty, te- I mean, it's very temperate here in my opinion. I mean, if I'm looking at yeah. a region where I'd want to train without having to be affected by heat, really the Pacific Northwest and maybe the Northeast are going to be the two that I'm going to go with. Right. Yeah. yeah. And even the Northeast, I think it's more humidity than we yeah. do. You know, and right now we're in the middle of a heat wave that's just kicking in. Yeah. It was, what, 93 or 94 yesterday. And yeah. it's like this weekend we're going to be looking right at now. temps yeah. in the hundreds. And there's a, a big giant race, the Baker City Classic. It's Baker like City Classic, our, our four-stage four race uh, here in Oregon and with a bunch of big hitters coming to that. Yeah. yeah. What's the temperature mm-hmm. going to be out there? Um, it's in the mid nineties on Friday and Saturday and pushing a hundred on Sunday. And Sunday's the long, the long day with like 7,500 feet of climbing. It, it ends on a big 3,500 foot climb. And it's like an 80 mile race, isn't it? it yeah, correct. 80 and hot air up there. Yeah. So a lot of folks and here. And at elevation. Yeah. A lot of folks here are not prepared for that. So hopefully no. they're, they were out this past weekend trying to get some heat acclimation, but it takes a little bit of time. How long does it take it to does. get heat acclimated, Evan? You know, that's, that's interesting. So I know really it's really hotly debated, hotly, huh? hot, hotly debated. <laughs> so altitude studies, you'll see a bunch of different numbers out there. And it's funny because I, I really do think it boils down to for altitude, it boils down to, well, it depends, which is always the worst answer for anything, but it really depends on the person. Um, the number I hear frequently is like three months, and that's just what Boulder folks always say: is it takes three months to you know adapt to Boulder. I've had a friend who told me it took him a year. I have another friend who goes there, and he's like, I don't feel any different. So I think it completely depends on the person. I feel like heat is very similar. Should ask our friend Jordan Rickards, who's been there for what yeah. about six months now. Jordan, yeah. I would say it took him. We we actually talked about this, and Jordan can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was around three four months. Yeah, but his it's just the last month or two he's been doing, feeling really good. And, you can and, see his numbers, oh, and his rides, and his he's, volume. He's it's acclimated all, now. Yeah. Now even once you're acclimated, there are still going to be limitations, even for your your most efficiently acclimated. Yeah, but when he flies back into town to ride with us, no, it just crushes it. Yeah, yeah you're gonna absolutely crush it. <laughs> he's gonna be drowning in oxygen. But really, really what you're, you're, you're looking at with heat is there's a lot of physiological ad- adaptations that have to be in your favor. Um, one really does need to be the, the efficiency of your sweat rate. That means how quickly you start sweating, which is good. Mm-hmm. Your body's ability just to naturally cool itself down. And also, I really do think there's a lot of like, what's your rate of vasodilation to vasoconstriction, which is your actual ability to pat, like, get your blood to the surface of your skin so that it can cool off. This is when people become really, really vascular looking in the heat. That's actually your body trying to literally cool down your blood and also open up as much vaso return as you can back into your system. Mm -hmm. Um, This is where you see, I mean, if you've ever seen cyclist pictures where guys after big heat, long climbs in the Tour de France, like their calves just have more veins than you could imagine in there, you know. Now, this is not, that. that's not... um, Oh, I just forgot the name of it. Uh, Var- varicose syndrome, which is if anybody's ever seen the George Hancapi picture of his varicose veins, he had to get surgery out. Was yeah. ridiculous. Completely different story. But was that related to cycling? Yeah, yeah. George, I thought that was more of like a George. I think was probably predisposed to that already. But I think it, I, it would definitely was cycling induced gotcha. too. Yeah, he was predisposed to it, and then obviously rode a bike a lot and very well. So there's there's going to be an adaptation time period. I think a mental, when people are like, oh, I need to train a couple days in heat, 
I don't think that that's worthless, but it's don't expect that you're just going to adapt after a couple weekends. This is where like, um, I know, I know the triathlon world when they know the big races are going to be in heat guys like Lionel Sanders will go live in Arizona for a while, like six to nine months, if not a year living in Arizona and training in Arizona. Um, I think it takes a long time. And I also think that it's, if you're going to do it for a short period of time, it's more mental. So it's more, I need to expose myself to the sensation of 80% humidity. Yeah. And what do, what are my reasonable, like do a workout in that heat and then realize, okay, if I wanted to do, you know, 300 Watts for this hour and I get into the heat and all of a sudden 275 feels really hard. You better know that going into your race, because if you're racing a Baker city and it's 102 degrees and you're on that climb and you're at altitude and you were doing your intervals in Portland in 72 degree weather, you need to know that that number is not going to be the same. There was a Portland guy in that race three or four years ago yeah. that buried himself going up the climb on a hot day. Oh, God. And uh, Cracked hard. got a helicopter ride off yep. the mountain. There you go. Because he was going into heat stroke. Yeah. Past heat exhaustion into heat stroke. Yeah. They life flight, not life flighted him, but they had to fly, heli- him, out of they there. Had to fly yeah. him out of there. Yeah. Had to back up. It's not worth it. No. That in no capacity is worth it. So, yeah, you, you, you need to reasonably know what you can reproduce. It's similar to, I mean, in, you know, in Kona for the, it's, it's, you know, Jan Ferdano's not going out at what he would try to run his marathon off the bike in, in Roth. Right. When it's, be- you know, Germany, nice, cool, perfect weather, speed course. Jan Ferdano's going pedal to the metal that entire time because he knows exactly what physiologically he can do. Jan doesn't live in Kona. Kona is hot. Very hot. Yes. When humid. he gets there, he tempers his effort because he knows, okay, if I want to run 530 pace, you know, or whatever, 540 pace in Roth, in Kona, six minute might be as fast as I'm possibly able to go. Yeah. And you need to know that because otherwise, I think more important than the adaptation is knowing what your limitation is going to be. Yeah. I, I personally have not adapted very well to the heat. Neither have I. No. Um, it, part of it because I live here in the Northwest. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, but in April, I took a trip to Las Vegas with my wife because yeah. she was at a soccer tournament. And I went out and did a five hour ride and promptly rode myself right into heat exhaustion. Yeah. On a five hour ride in April when it was only 90 degrees that yeah. day, but you know, I hadn't experienced anything and I just kept pushing harder and harder and just about ended up in the hospital. Yeah. Until, until I, I've had the same thing happen. Around. You know, yeah. Yeah. I used to live in Southern California and I was perfectly heat acclimated. I could go out and ride yeah. for two, three, four hours at a pretty strong clip when it was like in the upper nineties, if not even into the hundred degree mark. As long as I was hydrating, I was fine. You know, you yeah. move to the Pacific Northwest, and it's amazing how quickly that, that yep. goes away. <laughs> you lose that. So yeah. we had a, a training camp. It was in Palm Springs, and we went down there, and I was in relatively good shape. This it was mm-hmm. back in 2018. And we get down there, and the first day, it was a 75-mile ride. Um, yeah. But the, the temps were, it started out like at 70. By the time we were finishing the ride, it was like 90, 91, 92. Jeez. Going up the last climb that we were doing, I watched my watts kind of stay the same, and I watched my heart rate go um, like through the roof, and then I watched yeah. my, my watch just like 
cranked down and I'm going slower and slower and I was in full on heat exhaustion. So, and I got to the top and I was like delirious needing water and salt and all the, the fun stuff. And it was, it was a, a bad experience. I really felt crappy and thankfully it was yeah. a downhill ride back to the house, but, um, it, it took me the entire night to rally back so that I could be able to do the ride the next day. Oh, that was yeah. brutal. It's not yeah. Good. That's what happened yeah. in April where I got, it got, I got so bad. My hands were cramping yep and i started vomiting and couldn't stop vomiting yep and (laughs) and and i'm i'm cramping so bad on my legs that i i'm like in the front seat of the van and brandy's trying to she's she's like lance what she was desperately trying to get me to the hospital because i'm like yeah you need to get to the hospital for me (laughs) i need iv badly (laughs) yeah but i ended up I ended up turning it around. Yeah. So it kind of yeah. went away. I didn't end up at the hospital. But yeah. like this weekend, yep. uh, it was going to be 85 or so on race day um, in Bend where it's not that hot. But that's hot for me. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, I started an hour earlier than I normally would have. Mm-hmm. And I was pounding fluids all morning trying to holy, hopefully keep that at bay. I had extra electrolytes in all my drink mixes because I knew it was going to be difficult and I still dealt with it in the last hour. It was was a five and a half hour race for me and the last hour I was still battling heat symptoms. One of the pictures you posted on your Strava was you looking like a salt lick. You were just covered in white salt everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And there it is right there. All in my gut. Oh my gosh. I was looking at that (laughs) and saying, salt." Lance was probably dealing with a little bit of crampiness, a little bit of fatigue towards the end, but he still got it done. Still got it done. Yeah, barely. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the prep work that you could do. Uh, You and I kind of talked about this last week uh, after the Unbound Gravel thing, and I know that he's coming out with a video on it. Um, Dylan Johnson was doing some heat acclimation stuff, and he was. Here's the rumor we heard exactly about Dylan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Go ahead. He, uh, um, for like the month before Unbound Gravel, he kept his thermostat above 90 degrees in his house. He just kept the heat cranked up in his house, oh my hopefully God. that he would adapt to the heat a bit. Now, okay, I really did not follow Unbound that closely, to be completely honest. How did he do in Unbound? He ended up 12th. He was an hour off the winners. No, it's not because his strong fitness field. wasn't yeah, there. Very strong he field. had some tire he had, issues. He had, oh, gotcha. He had tire okay. issues. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we can assume that maybe that worked for him. But 12th. He was 12th out of, yeah. you know, I don't know. Six or 700 or something yeah, like that. Something a thousand. Like that. Or whatever yeah. it was. It was a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? What do you think? Do you think that something like that living in your house with your heater cranked up, maybe doing some trainer rides? Every time you leave the house. Here's the only problem with that, though, is, I mean, was his sleep awful during that time period? Good question. I'm sure he, I mean, well, you know, I mean, Dylan kind of knows what he's doing, but we always joke and I do the same thing is like, we're really good at telling other people what is a good idea. And then as soon as it becomes down to yourself, you're just really, really bad at thinking through some of the the X factors. I don't know. I mean, do you turn down the heat at night so that you hopefully sleep well? I I don't know. What was his electricity bill during that? I mean, God, I would... (laughs) He, he said he was all in for Unbound. He was he was rolling. Just basically, for it. cash fork over a thousand dollars. But what about just riding the trainer 
while you're cranking up your heat in your house yeah. and maybe limiting the fan. And I tried just, to I tried to do that before Des Moines. Worked great. No, it did not. But that was uh, I, <laughs> I tried for the two weeks before when we were having our really, really hot days. Actually it was probably for a month. That that's when I was doing all my sweet spot work was outside in the heat or no, no, on no. the train or in the heat. In, in the, the garage. garage. In the garage. Yeah. And we do not have any cool air in the garage. Yeah. So it was honestly no one fan. day one day I wish we would have had a thermostat in there. I went outside and cooled off. It was like oh, it was like eighty eight outside, went outside, I was like, Man, this feels great. <laughs> it was that's the, the garage was bad. So I think I think it does come down to I've I've thought about this a lot because there's in in the world triathlon we are always obsessed with with heat acclimation with heat training. I do think you can ad- the human body can adapt to any situation you put it into. But it does boil down to there are some people who I think are genetically going to be adapted much much better. You look at the 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 racing world, there are still guys who throughout their entire career in triathlon lived in hot areas and raced poorly in really hot races. Chris McCormick is, is a really good example. Now, Chris was a bigger guy for a triathlon, you know, triathlete. He was like 170, 175 pounds. Australian. Australian. Lived very hot his entire life. I mean, his yeah. whole life, but n- notoriously struggled in Kona. Now he won Kona. This guy was an amazing athlete, but his best performances were never in Kona. It was, yeah. you know, he raced very well in temperate weather. Um, you look at a guy like Henry Schumann uh, from South Africa, who's this little guy, very little, less area to cool off. You think about it, you know, yeah. grew up in South Africa, has said he does not think heat training is hard for him. It is guy who's more genetically adept to it. And I mean, when the Brownleys, um, if a- a- anybody remembers this when they've seen it, when Ali Brownlee and Johnny Brownlee, the two British uh, triathletes, Allie Brownlee had to help his brother across the line when yeah. his brother was like starting to go lights out, like made NBC News and ESPN. Yeah. The only time triathlon will ever be on ESPN <laughs> is when Johnny Brownlee's fainting and his brother's dragging him across the finish line. They're like, oh, what a hero <laughs> story. And Allie Brownlee after race is like, yeah, Johnny was an idiot. He should have like he not gone that gone. hard. Yeah. <laughs> they're trying to make a hero story out of it. And Allie's like, no, he's just an idiot. <laughs> but there's, but his brotherly but, love. But the guy who passed them to win was Henry Schumann. And Henry is elite at racing and training in the heat. And is that because he's lived there? I don't know, because I know other guys who do, and they don't race like Henry does. So, and, you know, and, and Henry has said, it's not like Henry's, like, sitting in a sauna all day or anything like that. Right. He's just very good at racing in heat. Hmm. Yep. So, preparing. What are you guys doing to prepare for it? Doing anything? Week, a, a week in advance, you're hydrating. You can't catch up race morning. You, you, need, to be, you need to be fully hydrated all week. Okay. Um, I have a sauna at my home there you which go. i'm very fortunate to have uh-huh. um and i've tried to use that to help me eat heat acclimate um at least uh three or four times a week uh but it it takes it takes between seven and 14 days to really heat acclimate and when the weather is nice i don't want to get in the sauna mm-hmm. I, you know it's but and knowing that um I don't race particularly well in the heat. I try to stay away from hot races. I just don't mm-hmm. plan for them as yeah. much. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll 100% there. I mean, I, it's not that I avoid them. I just, just I don't know. I, I guess I just don't do enough racing anymore to, to have that be a problem where I'm out there actually having to like prepare for it. But yeah. know, the only time I can think of when I'm out doing a hot race was when you know Portland Short Track was around. That's 30 30 to 40 minute race yeah, and then uh, PR the the road stuff is like an hour and like yeah. I've been out there when 
those races were in the 90s, if not close to 100. Yeah. And, you know, attendance is down a little bit, but you just you just go out there and still do it, and it's just not that big of a deal. Yeah. It really yeah, isn't. That's sub in that sub-hour range. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's, not that big of a deal. Unless it's a running race, that's different. But, yeah, I mean, definitely for a bike race, that's yeah. sub-hour range. And I can remember the – I've talked about it before, the Barton Park race where I, I did it. It was an April race, and on that particular day, it jumped up something like 15 degrees. It was like upper 80s, yeah. and the next day, it was probably down close to 70 again, and it was in that race that I dealt with all kinds of cramps, and I just kind of powered through it and yeah. somehow miraculously ended up winning that, that race, but um, I just felt like crap for a few days after that because I was sore from breaking cramps, and I was you know a little bit exhausted yeah. and whatnot, yeah. but you just kind of like roll with it, but right. I've never had to like prepare for like a Baker City. You know, yeah. I, I, feel, I feel terrible for those well, guys. This is, and this is why Baker City is going to be so brutal is because so cramp, cramps obviously happen in adverse conditions for a reason because yeah. your body actually has to be using more energy. Mm-hmm. So when we talked about last time when it's that neurological connection and the muscle, yeah. you know, peripherally yeah. you can be getting cramps. Yeah. Your muscle has to work harder at altitude. Your muscle also has to work harder in heat. Baker City is the unfortunate combination of both of those. Both. Yeah. How much altitude you know, is yeah. in Baker City, though? It's not that high up, is it? It goes up to 7,500 feet. They'll climb oh. to 7,500. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, it's not, they're not doing, you know. What's the yeah. elevation doing of 10, the, the city plus, on the whole? Because, I mean, if it's going up to 7,500 feet. I think. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that kind of makes sense when you're at that mile yeah. high. 3,500. 3,500. Okay, so there, I mean, like, most of that race is not going to be in a demanding you know, the time altitude, trial but the, once the you're crit, climbing, yeah. yeah. But that final that, that final day is going to be, it's going to be brutal. Gonna be it's going to be hot. It's going to be long. It's 100% yeah. exposed because you're out there in, like, the open plains, if you will. Yeah. I, it's going to be a hot day. Yeah. Gosh. Good on everybody going out there racing. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be. I hate to say it. I know my body. No, nah, don't do it. There's. There's no way I'm going to line up on Sunday on that final day. I won't do well in the heat. Um, I'd be no good to my teammates anyway. Mm -hmm. So I I won't race on Sunday. Gotcha. So you're still thinking that you're going to go out there and do the the road race on Friday and then the crit and the time trial on Saturday? Maybe? Maybe. The crit, you could help them. Solid maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's let's yeah. talk about the 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 notion of like let's say you are heat acclimated, you you're you're, you're mm-hmm. prepped and you're ready to go and you're you're now starting to be out there doing this and you're going to have to get through the mental aspect of that. Yeah. What what are you looking for? What are what are some of the triggers that you know that you're going to turn it off and you're going to be completely done? And when are you going to be talking yourself through some of the the crappiness of like what you're going through in a race when it's really hot? You once you I, kind of went through that this once weekend. Once I figure that one out, I'll tell you guys. Yeah, that's I don't know. Maybe we should bring somebody on who's done well in a hot race. So, <laughs> do, do we have anybody we know who does well in heat? <laughs> I can tell you it's how not. not I can tell you how not to talk to yourself during a race. <laughs> when when you start to get hot, just sit there and tell yourself that you're oh, the worst. This, this, <laughs> what am I doing? All yeah, my life choices you suck. Are poor. You suck so bad. Why do you do this sport? You're so bad at this sport. <laughs> well, it might be a good idea to turn it off and just throw in the towel if you're dealing with stuff like heavy sweating, your uh, cold, yeah. pale, and clammy skin, um, you've fast and weak pulse, you're, you have nausea or you're vomiting, that's never good, muscle mm-hmm. cramps, uh, tired, weakness in general. <laughs> tired. That's, that's, <laughs> once you feel tired, just, just tired. pack it up. So, yeah. just, just more than beyond that. Dizziness, headaches. I mean, is there anything else that you guys can add to that D- list? Dizziness, I think, is the big one. Once you're, once you're feeling dizzy, we're talking central nervous system issues at that point. That's yeah. not – well, and, and here's the funny thing is I – I treat ultra marathoners. I treat ultra distance people. Mm -hmm. I've been around that community a lot. There's, this is the difference between racing and doing an event. I truly believe ultra marathons and ultra distance events are events, not Mm -hmm. races. 
even at the top level. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I some, some people sit here and say, you're wrong. They're racist. They're not. What they are is a war of attrition, even at the top level. And I'll say that because a race to me is purely performance based. There are numbers, there's selections. You think of a road race versus race across America. Race across America, the guy, what was it? Who holds the record? Strasser. The poor guy who was hit by the truck and died. Um, yeah. uh, Strasser, he, uh, European guy. I forget, I forget his first name. An absolutely incredible athlete. But he's not racing that race. He is well within himself, knows his body better than probably any human being in endurance sports knows their limitations. Mm-hmm. So it is about knowing your limitations. This is the scary thing about a Baker City race or when you're racing in a pro field and a half Ironman. I don't get to decide my limits in that race. That that race is, there goes the group, you better go. Right. And this is where they get dangerous. This is where you get a guy lifelight off the top of a mountain right. and stuff. This is, it's we're not race, racing yeah. within ourselves. Mm-hmm. This is, an ultra marathon is almost notoriously has like, hey, start really slow, go slow in the middle, still go slow at the end, and you're going to be slowing at the end. <laughs> and just hold on right. as long as you can. And you're staying within yourself. The difference with these races as you get faster and faster and faster and faster is now you've got a lot of hyper-competitive people in an environment that may favor some more than others, that's a dangerous environment. So Lance making the decision like, hey, I'm not going to put myself in that situation because Lance knows how his brain works. That, in my opinion, is a much smarter decision than saying like, let's try to acclimate in two weeks and see if I can make myself a good heat racer in two <laughs> right. weeks. Whatever. I know it's not yeah. going to happen. Because I don't want this to be like a clickbait YouTube video where people are always like, acclimate to heat. You know, it's like, no, right. that's not how this always works because... I know plenty of guys who have dedicated a lot of time to trying to adapt to that and they just get themselves in these race situations and it's like the wheels fall off and it's ugly and it's really, really dangerous sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You do not want your buddy in a cat one, two race in, let's say you're racing in Alabama and it's 90% humidity and you're from the Pacific Northwest. That might not be your a race. You probably shouldn't put all your eggs in that basket. Right. So Yeah. There's a big ultra endurance race this weekend. You know Katie Gortzaika? Mm-hmm. She's doing 100, oh, yeah. 100K this weekend, and it's yep. supposed to be triple Hot. digits. Hot. Katie's Hot. smart, and she knows how to race within herself. Yeah. I hope everybody doing that race knows that. This is why when I talk about it being an event and not a race, that's actually out of respect for these things because a race to me is like we're going and playing. These ultra events are like – I mean these are like feats. Like when somebody travels a hundred miles on foot to me, I'm like, that's not a race. That's like, you just accomplished something like that's insane. But I really, really hope everybody's going to be okay. Cause that's just going to be a little bit scary at times. Definitely. It's nuts. I don't know how they're going to do that. I mean, yeah. At what point in time does that become a liability for the race promoter too? Well, it's always, I mean, those, those races are constantly a liability for the, I mean, it's the same thing with like race across America. You look at like race across America, which is happening right now. My mom's on a team. Um, uh, she, she's not doing it. She, she, she's on a crew for a four person team. And I mean, there are parts of this race that they're going to be going through in America right now where it is dangerously hot. Oh yeah. They're in Utah right now. I think it is hot. It's hot there. It's hot. And they're going to go through Colorado. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, it's very hot everywhere they're going. And I'm actually more worried for when they get out into Appalachia country, because that's where it gets very humid this time of year. And that's towards the end of the race where they're already shelled. And I mean, yeah, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a summer hopefully where no, nothing really, really bad happens. Cause that's, those are bad situations. 
Gotcha. Well, we kind of talked about some of the symptoms from heat exhaustion. Let's just run through the heat stroke stuff real quick, because if this happens, this is where you need to absolutely throw in the towel. This is where 911 probably needs to be a part of the conversation, and you need to be taking extreme steps and measures to get yourself healthy again. Um, Your body temperature is 103 degrees Fahrenheit or higher. Um, You are hot, you're red, you're dry, and your your skin is um, damp. Um, You have uh, strong... A strong pulse, a strong fast pulse, headaches, dizziness, yep. uh, nausea, confusion, uh, you've lost consciousness. Those those things, if those are things yeah. that you are experiencing in your event because of heat, mm-hmm. you need to get medical attention. And I've never experienced a sh- heat stroke, but I have heard from two people who have described to me that when they were starting to go through it, they actually felt cold. Yeah, it's so weird. So I think, I think that that's, if you hear somebody, for one, they're sounding off, like very off. Yeah. And if they described you, I'm feeling cold and it is 102 degrees outside, that is where you're shutting down whatever that person's doing at that time. That is, and I, I, I think it's the, 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 the tough part with these events from a organizer's point of view, when you're talking about that ultra marathon, or let's say you're on a Ram crew, a race across America crew is you're, you're dealing with people that are going to be pushing to that point. So, you know, at some point they're going to be mentally confused. That's the biggest factor between the two. Yeah. Heat exhaustion, you should still You should have, still be able to answer math questions. Yeah, yeah and know yeah. where you are and yeah. what you're doing and yeah. what your body's feeling. When you cross over into heat stroke, you're... Yeah, and this is a fine strong. line yeah. because yeah, I think that right. there's... You do have some of these ultra-endurance athletes that can like somehow operate in the in that mental complete fatigue state, and I don't know how they operate in those ranges, but they're able to. And it's, I think that's where it gets really dangerous because when you're talking about somebody like a Courtney DeWalter, let's say, who's one of the best, if not the best ultra marathon runner in the world. Um, I mean, she's doing like 250 mile races and I am sure at some point in that 250 mile race, she probably thinks she's on Mars and is completely not mentally with it. So I don't know when you pull the plug with those people, but, um, if you're on a, if you're on a group ride and you're not trying to, you know, win, win Ram, um, probably pull the plug yeah. on that. Yeah. If your buddy's not able to answer like, Hey, what city are we in right now? Time to end it. Like, yep. and this isn't a, Hey, let's let him ride home thing. This is like, you're sitting on the side of the road until we get right. somebody yeah. here. So what you're supposed to do is call 911 right away. It's a medical emergency. You're supposed mm-hmm. to move that person to a cooler place. So if you're getting off the side of the road, find some shade, hopefully. Um, you're going to want to help lower that person's temperature with cool clothes and a uh, cool bath. And they say not to give that person anything to drink. Yeah, because you're talking about um, osmotic pressure at that, or as osmotic levels at that point. So you don't want to, if their electrolyte balance is way, way off, or their sodium potassium balance is way, way off, you don't want to be having them chug water or vice versa. You don't want to be taking in excessive amounts of electrolytes at that point. So would it be they're going to need an IV at some point? In yeah. Time? yeah. Um, well, it's going to be they're they're going to have to assess where their levels are at and then decide. Um, uh, I think outside that the biggest thing is you want to cool them down. I, I think that's the biggest thing is get as much cold, anything on them as you can. Yep. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Well, moral of the story. I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> so many times I've been in this such is, a bad situation. This is where, you know, I think having these discussions before Lance goes and tries to race on Sunday is good. Cause if you have a buddy where you're like, Hey, it's going to be 104 degrees and I don't want to do this race. You're like, if you mentally already don't think you want to do the race, don't go and do it. Cause yeah. yeah. That's moral of the story. Just be smart about it. And yeah. you know, probably mm-hmm. try and surround yourself with people that can help keep an eye on you and, and yeah. vice versa so that you guys know that, you know, you've got some somewhat of a support system. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. 
Cool. I think that's it for that topic. Let's do one last thing. Evan, go, because I know you got to get out of here soon. Yeah. Um. One last thing. No, you know, I have nothing really to add to that. How about you talk That's about, basically about post-race it. pastries? How about a little plug there? Post-race pastry, yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's this Instagram page. I'm not sure who started it, uh-huh. but we we <laughs> religiously follow a post-race pastries group that, for whatever reason, is always at the same races as me and Cassie are at. Yeah. We haven't figured that one out yet. But um we ramped back up in 2021 which was awesome because that's kind of the reason that we love to go to races is to post race to to get pastries after the race des moines was was disappointing pastry wise to be honest it was (laughs) there's there was so i will say midwest you couldn't find good pastries it was yeah so i mean des moines is a surprisingly cool city in in areas it had one of the coolest skate parks i've ever seen actually but it was um there were some cool restaurants and some little cool areas and a really cool farmer's market. But for like coffee shop pastries, we went to a coffee shop that should have been really cool. And they had like just a couple croissants and like a muffin. And that was it. What time of day was it? We got so spoiled. I mean, it was like, what was that? Saturday at like 10 uh, 10 or 11 a.m. They should have still had stuff. Should have been a time period where you're like hopping with pastries if you're a big... It was like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And this was not like a tiny coffee shop where they're like, hey, you know, sorry, Ma in the back was not able to like get it done. You're like, no, that's Uh, fine. You know, she needs a breather. No, this was like 20 employees here and they're like, that's all the pastries they had. So, but yeah, it was um, uh, pretty, pretty lean on the pastries. Uh, I liked Galveston's pastries were very good. Galveston had some great pastries. But uh, hopefully our next our next race is going to be more local, and we know that Portland has wonderful pastries. So, so if we'll someone be... was into following an Instagram account that did said talking about yeah. pastries and showed cool pictures, they should follow Post Race Pastries. We're not yeah. sure who does it, but we do follow their their journeys, and they seem to strangely link up with where we go. So nice. it works out nicely. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Mr. Lance, one last thing. Uh, just shout out to all my teammates who are going to be racing Baker City. Please hydrate. Please overhydrate before these races. You're you're definitely going to need it. I think heat is going to be a big factor out there this week. Oh, that's going to be. Uh, I wish that the temps were going to be a little bit lower, just so it could be one of those things where you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, because I I'm I'm really impressed with the guys on our team that are going to go out there and they're going to race in the the one two three category. They are Masters. fit. Yep, and they are ready. Yep. I will not be able to help them. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> My one last thing is I want a response from Evan, from Evan yeah. Price. Oh, God. Joey Joe Jr. Shabadoo went out oh. to the lake and laid it down on the this? time trial bike. He hasn't seen it. Oh, th- did, did he take my KOM out Yes, there? he did. Check I your, didn't get a message for that, or if I did, your, I completely <laughs> missed it. Check your uh-oh email. How much oh, boy. do you think Ooh. Mr. Joey Joe Jr. Shabadoo Took your late. Oh God, I don't even K-O-M want to by. know. Now I got to go back through my notifications. See if I missed that. <laughs> I um, haven't been I'm getting notifications say, myself either. Really? For, and I lost yeah. a couple this weekend as well, and I didn't get any notifications. Um, really? Maybe, maybe Strava's behind on that. Let me look at. Joe. I know that they've was been doing a lot of updates, weekend? and there was some stuff that that was problematic for a while. There, um, like the, the Zwift rides weren't uploading. Like you had to go back yeah. and reconnect stuff because they redid their whole platform. They and switched their virtual ride and then ride, which I know for people who actually ride outside frequently. I'm sure it was great, but for me that's now tough because now I got to like add my hours together I i'm not a fan thinking of that. the same thing I but if you that. go to the web version it does show your total time for I riding one of the bike the i don't know That's it's so like dumb. 
have like you can break it out. That's fine. Yeah, but that's just fine, have but one. Just give just, me a total. Just, yeah, for, for ride. You know, just yeah. so you can see that. Like, now I'm like, I got to do math each week now. <laughs> All right, so hold on. I need to. I need to look at this. What does anybody have any idea what day he got? It was on Saturday. It was or Saturday. Friday? No, it was Friday. It was Friday because he took Friday off of work. I remember. Uh, it was Tonk, Friday. Tonk made a, a little reference. Here to it. I didn't get a notification, and he's, <laughs> Hey, Evan, I'm just a dumb, dumb, dummy. Cotton head and. <laughs> okay, this title. So me go on to his Strava and actually read the title. That is hilarious. It's hilarious, yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, let's see how much he got it by. So Hanel, well, Jojo oh, Jr. God, he went recently got himself a time trial bike. Yeah, time he's, trial he's bike. He's learning how to ride it right now. Yep. He averaged twenty eight point two miles an hour for six. Oh dear 19 God. Nineteen miles. Sixteen miles. He put a minute and a half into me. That is seconds. insanely fast. <laughs> 90 seconds he put into you, Evan. We all thought that he would be close to you. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Evan put down a pretty solid time. If he's going to get him. 28.2. That's like, he needs to go to Masters Nationals TT like tomorrow and go. That is insanely <laughs> fast. Oh, my God. What's the total distance in mileage on that? That is, I mean, it's like a. It's it's like, what, 30K or something like that? 16 miles. Okay. It's 16 miles. Okay. Oh, my God. He almost went 16 miles in a half hour. That is that is really, really fast. Whew. So what's your response to that? I'm going to have to try to go and do that. And I'm not sure if I can touch 28.2 miles an hour. <laughs> this man's going to go and win Baker city. Uh, I like, if anybody's wondering, I'm going to go ahead and put my money please on him hydrate. The trial. <laughs> I think <laughs> Chris, please. Hydrate. The, I feel like this is the, I, I feel like now me betting on him in the time trials, like somebody being like, I like Philippe Ogana in this time trial. It's like, yeah, okay, great. Really real, real underdog pick there. Oh my gosh! All right. Yeah, but he's going up against uh, Rob Tornai and Greg Steele. And, I don't care. That's twenty eight. They're That's all very twenty eight point two miles an hour. Time trial. That's still twenty eight point two miles an hour. I'm putting my money on Joey. On <laughs> Joey, that is for sure. Congratulations, Mr. Hill. That yep. is one. Hats heck. off to you. Hats he, off. He ripped one. Yeah. That was pretty cool to see that. I was mm-hmm. I was waiting for because I, I intentionally I went in there, there and made a comment yeah. just so I could get some sort of a response when Evan replied. Yeah. And I didn't see it as of this morning, so I wanted to be sure to ask you about that. I know I now that we need to comment cool. on this. And that's just one of the for those that don't know, this was one of those local segments that Matt Legrand actually had for quite some time. And then um, Lance and I went out, we out because Matt was on a time trial bike. So Lance and yeah. I kind of went out there and we worked together a little bit and I ended up taking the KOM from yep. him. And then I think uh, Tonk and Hanel worked together and uh, Tonk ended up taking that KOM and then Evan went out there and just crushed everybody on the time trial bike. They crushed. And now uh, Hanel has brought it back to the cycling family from the triathlon <laughs> group. So that was kind of fun. Cool beans. Anything else, guys? I think that's it. All right. We do appreciate everybody listening. We will catch you next week. Bye for now.